Who's been here for the, for the whole Under God series? Who's been here for the whole thing? Well, actually, a decent amount of you guys. Look at y'all. Come on now. Uh, and if you've been here for some of it, have y'all enjoyed it? Has it been good? Okay. Man, I hope so, because it has been stressful, okay? <laughs> Man, it's been a crazy series, right? We've been talking about uh, politics. We've been talking about culture. We've been talking about, today we're talking about social justice and biblical justice, all right? It's a really, really cool topic we're talking about today. But man, if you've been here and you've been coming, I encourage you to go through Growth Track. That's the best way for you to get involved. Well, last week we talked about, we're not gonna be spectators, but we're gonna say, coach, put me in, get me in the game. I wanna start making a difference in people's lives. So you can go uh, and sign up for Growth Track at the back or it's radicalchurch.life slash growth track. It's coming up on October 25th. So if you want to get involved, you want to meet more people, that is the way to do it. That is your first step to getting involved. So uh, let's pray and then we'll get into this. All right, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for our time together that we can worship you, that we can lift up your name and that we can learn more from your word today. Father, pray that you would speak to us, open our eyes and open our hearts to what you have to say. And everybody said, amen, amen. So let's get into this, friends. Our nation was founded on Christian principles, right? We have, this, uh, we have this Pledge of Allegiance that we've said. We talked about in the second week that actually the phrase under God was actually not in the Pledge of Allegiance when it was very first written. It was added in later, actually in 1954, I believe. It was added in as there was kind of these communist threats to the nation. So we've been walking through each phrase. We say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the Republic for which it stands. And then these four phrases, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And if you've been there for the other three, you know, I believe it was powerful and God's been speaking to us, even speaking to me, if I'm being honest, in, in all of these messages. But today we're talking about the one, and you know, I've been hyping it up the whole series, right? I've been hyping it up. Why? Because I feel like this is what we're all thinking about, okay? This is what we're all talking about. Liberty and justice for all. Many people don't feel like today that there really is liberty and justice for all people in our nation and in our world. There's many people that feel marginalized, feel disadvantaged. Maybe they are right or they're wrong about it. But here at the end of the day, there's people that are having these real emotions and these real thoughts and these real feelings of feeling disadvantaged. And so here's the deal. We want to talk about justice. Why? Because justice, is, we talk about God as being a God of love, right? God is this God of love. He's God of mercy, God of grace. So many times we leave out that God is also a God of justice, amen? That he is a just God and he is a fair God and he actually is what defines what being just really is. And so we need to look to scripture. And the question I want us to look at today is how should Christians respond to injustices that we do see in our world today? How do we respond as Christ followers to injustices in our world that's the question we're gonna be looking at today. And in Amos 5.24, it says, let justice roll on like a river. So we want justice. This is a good biblical concept. And yet so many times I think that we get caught up in, in what the difference is maybe between social justice and biblical justice, right? We, we think, are they opposed or are they the same? Or is there some parts of it that is biblical and some parts of it that's not? And, and as I was kind of considering this and thinking about this topic and what I was gonna say about this topic today, it kind of dawned on me. And, and as I was doing my research, I really felt like the Lord was telling me that the difference between social justice and biblical justice at the end of the day, and there's some things that are, that are intermingled that are kind of good and bad in all of this, right? But I think social justice is, it looks to us 
as people to determine what's right and wrong, right? It's looking to people groups, to, to uh, situations, to governments to figure out what's right and wrong, correct? But then biblical justice, what does that do? Biblical justice looks to scripture first to determine what is right and wrong. And so for us, that's what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look to scripture to see what God says about justice. Can we do that together? Yeah? Let's do it. Come on. So what we're going to look at today is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay, the parable of the Good Samaritan. You can find it in your Bible if you'd like to turn there. We'll have it on the screens for you. But it's in Luke 10, 25 through 37. And I kind of want to introduce this, this parable really quickly. What is a parable, right? A parable is basically a story that Jesus would tell and in their culture, they had an oral culture, if you know what that means. Basically, they told stories and they, they would make up these stories in order to prove a point or to make you think about something. And so Jesus, as a rabbi, as a teacher, right, in Jewish culture, they would just gather people around together and they would kind of sit around and then usually the teacher would tell stories to people, whether they were true or not, but they would get them thinking about things, get them thinking about principles, okay? So this is a story, it's not necessarily true, but it's a story that Jesus is telling to prove a point to one of the teachers of the law. And this man was a, a man that basically uh, was another teacher, kind of a, a, not a rival of Jesus, but a contemporary of Jesus in his time. And he would have been asking this question of Jesus, trying to kind of trap him into something, right? And then this is what Jesus says. So Luke 10, 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked. And they, usually, they did that a lot. They said, oh, teacher, why don't you tell me about this, right? It's a little sarcasm if that, in there if you read it in there. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to, what? Justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, uh, oh, so to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And we're going to stop right there. We'll read the rest of the story in just a little bit. We're going to kind of walk through this and walk through three things that I believe that we as Christians, how we should respond to injustices in the world. The first one, which if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, is open your eyes. Open your eyes. How easy is it sometimes to not see what's happening around us, right? I think uh, of husbands, and maybe this will apply to some women, but I feel like for the most part, it's husbands. For me, I know this is a fact, and Lindsay, my wife, is in here now, so she can probably nod her head along with this one. Uh, but how many of you, uh, if you're looking for something in the fridge, all right, you're look, you already know where I'm going with this, right? Okay, you're looking for something in the fridge, and you're trying to find it, and you're like, Babe, it is not in here, okay? I do not know where the mustard is. Where did you put it? It's not in here. Did you touch it last? And your wife's sitting there like, no, I, I just saw it two hours ago. Like, I know it's in there. I promise you it's in there. You're like, no, it is not. I promise it is not in this fridge. I'm looking, right? And then your wife comes by and in 0.2 seconds, she's like, it's right here. And she goes over and, you know what I mean? How many of y'all can relate to that, right? 
Okay, it's so many times I feel like I do that. I'm looking in the closet for my belt or something. I literally was just doing this the other day, right? I was like, uh, my belt's not in here. I don't know where it is, okay? Like we couldn't find my belt and then she comes in and immediately just finds it. I'm like, this, you have a superpower to find things, okay? What's the real problem then, okay? We're not actually looking, right? <laughs> you know you're not looking, why? Because you're just, you have the fridge open and your eyes are open. Like it's not like your eyes are closed and you're like not looking or anything but you're not really looking. You're just, your eyes are open, but you're not seeing anything. Does that make sense? You're not really seeing, you're just kind of blankly staring at it. It's like, oh, babe, I don't know, duh, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But then sometimes we go even further than that. That's kind of just like a neglect. We're not really trying to look, but sometimes we go further than that, guys. Sometimes we just refuse to see things that are going on around us, right? I think all of us have done this before. And, and I think we can illustrate this with a very, very easy point. We refuse to see what's happening around us. Have you ever made awkward eye contact with a homeless person, right? I think we've all done that before, okay? If we're being honest with ourselves, all of us have been in this situation before, okay? Either you don't have money, you don't have cash or something like that, or you just have cash and you ain't trying to give it that day, okay? Like I'm not trying to judge right now, but what I'm saying is, is we've all been in that place before. We made awkward eye contact and they see you and you're like, oh, I don't wanna see, I don't even wanna, if I look, then I'm like feel obligated to do something, right? And now I don't want to, okay? I'm just, oh, I'm not gonna do that, okay? We've all kind of been in that situation before and I'm not trying to judge whether you should or shouldn't give to a homeless person. I understand if you gave to everyone, you wouldn't have anything left, I get that. But the point is, is that sometimes we refuse, we don't wanna see what's happening around us because it makes us uncomfortable, right? Makes you uncomfortable a little bit. I wanna tell you a little bit about the Jews and the Samaritans. Jesus is a Jew, okay? He's telling this story to a Jewish teacher. The man that's on the side of the road presumably is a Jew, okay? He's a man that was beaten by robbers and, and left there for dead. The Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't like each other, okay? They were not friends. They didn't associate with one another. The Jews were kind of, you know, God's chosen people. And they were, uh, and the Samaritans, they were Jews, but they had intermarried with the Assyrians, which is another people group and some other people groups. And so the Jews kind of viewed them as like these half-breed sort of people. Like they weren't, they weren't a full Jew, but they weren't really one or the other. And so they didn't like them. They didn't associate with them. They had different ways of thinking about things, different customs, different traditions, and they just hated them, man. The Jews thought that they were better than the Samaritans in many, many ways, right? So... What happens though? This man comes up, a priest sees this man on the side of the road. What is a priest in the day? That would be like me, me coming up on the side of the road to this guy that's bleeding, bleeding out right there. And what does he do? He walks right on by. Maybe he was doing kind of that first thing where he's looking in the fridge, right? Where he's just like, I'm not really looking, you know, like you're not, you're just kind of going about your day. You're going about your life. You're not really considering anything else that's going on around you. You're just trying to get to your next task. Maybe I'm just trying to get to the next sermon. I'm just trying to get to the next meeting. And I'm not really thinking about the people that are around me that are hurting, that are in trouble, that could use some real help. But I'm just so concerned about my priestly duties, right? Maybe he was thinking like that. What didn't really see him. Then the next guy comes. He's a Levite. What do we know about the Levites? They were the worship leaders. That would be like Michelle and Tim and Sadie up here. They're in their little worship leader crew with their, you know, like uh, their skinny jeans and the holes all in there. And they got their scarves wrapped around, ready for fall with their pumpkin spice lattes, you know, and they got their trendy hats. They're walking around, they're going to their next, you know, they're going to their next gig, whatever it might be, you know what I'm saying? And they, instead of just maybe being kind of like this guy that's not really looking, not really trying to see anything, maybe they see the guy, but they're like, oh man, uh, we have to go lead worship somewhere. 
and they run off. That would be like a Levite. That's what he did. But then a Samaritan comes by, right? Samaritan sees this man on the side of the road. Normally, this man that's dying on the side of the road would hate this man, would hate the Samaritan. He would talk trash to his friends about him behind his back. He knows that he probably doesn't like him, that they have differences of ideologies, political differences, differences about how they think about God, all kinds of different things. And yet what does he do? He sees him. It says the Bible, in the Bible, it says that he sees him. I'm gonna go back to that verse for a second. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. What is the first step to righting wrongs in our world? You have to see them. You have to open your eyes to see what's going on. If you just walk around blindly trying to get to your next thing, right? We're never going to see what's happening around us. And yet it's so easy sometimes to get into that mode where we just kind of don't really think about things that are happening around us in our world. And we're only thinking about us and our lives. And, and listen, I understand that sometimes on the news, you look and it just seems so bleak and everything is so sad and it's always a dark thing. And it just kind of like brings you down when you watch the news sometimes. And I'm not saying that you need to be completely ignorant, right? And just completely turn off the news. What I'm saying is sometimes you need to see some of that stuff that's going on around you. If you don't open your eyes and actively look, like my wife, when she's looking in the fridge, right, instead of just looking and just being like, Duh, you know what I mean? Like she's actually moving things around and trying actively to find what's going on. And we as Christ followers need to actively look to see the injustices that are going on around us in our circle and even in our world so that we can respond to those things. That's the first step. Romans 12, 9 says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. How can you hate what is evil if you don't even open your eyes to see the evil around you? If you don't open your eyes, you won't see it. We talked about in week one that sometimes church is like a bomb shelter for some people, right? Where they come into church and they just want to keep all the sin away, keep all the sinners away. You know, I just want to live my Christian life and do good and be holy, right? You know, like, and that's what you want to do. And listen, that's cool and that's fine. But man, open our eyes. We have to hate what is evil. There's a phrase that people say sometimes, and you'll probably be able to finish this phrase for me. I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with the phrase. I don't think that they have something uh, it's, it's partly good, but I want to kind of pull out something that I think maybe we don't think about sometimes. Uh, the phrase is, be known by what you're for more than what you're against. Have you heard that before? You heard that phrase? Be known by what you're for more than what you're against. Now, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that phrase, but here's the issue. Jesus was very clearly against many, many things, right? He was clearly against many things. Jesus calls out the Pharisees and the Sadducees on a very, very regular basis for their hypocrisy. The, the, the teachers and the rulers of the law, they were making all these rules and imposing it on the people in order to extort them out of money and to garner more fame for themselves, right? Then they would go out in the, in the public square and they would pray these big lofty prayers and they would use massive long words that nobody understood and they had their big robes that were flowing behind them. They're like, look at me, I can pray big words and Jesus loves me and everything. And they had this, they were trying to get fame for themselves. And Jesus calls them out on that almost every single time. And then even more, Jesus, when he gets to Jerusalem one time, he goes into the temple. And what does he see? 
He sees that there's this big, uh, this big crooked marketplace, right? Where they were extorting people out of money. They were price gouging things and they were selling and they were trading. And it was just a crooked, crooked place. And they had turned this beautiful temple. Jesus says that my father's house is called a house of prayer. And yet it's a den of thieves, a den of robbers is what he says. And he, ta- this is crazy. And if you've never heard of this before, then I would encourage you to go read this story. But Jesus, it says he takes a whip and he goes around and starts whipping at people and says, get out, get out of here. He starts throwing the tables over and he has this righteous, holy anger about him against something that was evil that was going on in the house of God. So people sometimes will say, well, Jesus was a peacemaker. Yes, he was, but he also fought against things that were wrong. He fought against evil and there's nothing wrong with doing that. He has a problem with adultery. He has a problem with people taking advantage of the poor. He has a problem with hatred. He's against racism, amen? Jesus is against sin. There's nothing wrong with fighting against evil. And some of us, I think that we have our blinders on and we're not looking. We don't wanna see it. And I would encourage you to open your eyes. But then on the flip side of that, some of us, we might call ourselves the social justice warriors, right? Okay, like we're going after things, like we're making a difference, we're making a change, we're fighting, we got the cause, right? And that's good. That is a good thing. If if it's a biblical concept and you're fighting against evil and fighting against sin, then good, do it because that's what Jesus would do. But listen, if you're talking more about Joe Biden and Donald Trump and Black Lives Matter and coronavirus and whatever else it might be, more than the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I think it might be time for us to rethink our priorities. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with talking about these things and in fighting for what we believe in and fighting against sin and evil. But we also have to remember that our goal is always to point people back to Jesus. Because if we're not pointing people back to Jesus, what are we doing? Now we're just fighting against one another. And now justice, social justice, has become an idol. And we're elevating it above Jesus. We can't do that. We cannot let ourselves do that. So I think that on both sides, we can learn, right? Some of us have those blinders on. Open your eyes. Some of us, our eyes are very open. We woke, right? <laughs> right? But at the same time, we need to remember that in that, we have to point people back to Jesus. Amen? So there's your first point. Open your eyes. Let's continue on with this story, okay? Let's get into this a little bit more. Verse 34 says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The second point I have for you today is open your heart. Write that down if you're taking notes. Open your eyes. And then secondly, you have to open your heart. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Have you ever seen a baby that cries before and there's some other babies in the room and all them babies start to cry too? It's hilarious. It's sad, but it's hilarious, okay? Why? Because this one baby might have fallen or like some toy got taken away from him or her and, and this baby starts to cry, okay? And then another baby sees and is like, you're sad, now I'm sad, okay? And then the baby starts to cry and then another baby sees those two babies crying and like, you guys are sad, I'm sad too now. And they all start crying. It's this big room of crying babies, all right? How about this? Maybe when you were a kid or you're a little bit older, if you have a weak stomach, I'm sorry, I'm going here. But uh, if, if somebody is, is kind of getting sick, right? And they, and they make that noise. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry. They make that noise. You're like, don't you dare do it. Because if you throw up, I'm going to throw up, right? 
if you do it, I'm going to do it. So don't do it. Don't do it. And why it's almost like this like built-in like empathy that we have or this built-in response, okay? And even as children, we see this response that maybe there's nothing wrong with the entire other room of babies, but there's something wrong with the one baby and all the other babies say, you know what? There's something wrong with you. So now there's something wrong with me. And I think that we have to remember to mourn with those who mourn. When you see a brother or sister that's mourning, just mourn with them. And I'm going to be honest here. And I just want us to kind of look at this from a biblical perspective. But our black brothers and sisters are mourning right now. They're mourning. And they're going through something that I will never understand. As a six foot two white Christian male, I'm never going to understand what this community is going through right now. And I think many of us, we, we try to figure out what can I do? Like, what do I say? I don't really know how to feel about this stuff. What's the first thing that we should do? Open your eyes. Open your eyes to see what's going on around you. I think we would all be remiss whether you're, if you agree that racism is systemic or not, it doesn't matter. We should all agree that racism still does exist in America and in our world today. We can unequivocally agree with that. And I can tell you story after story, time after time of friends that I have personally talked to that they have told me stories that blow my mind. Why? Because I I listened to them. I just opened up my eyes. How do you open up your eyes? You have a conversation with somebody, right? Sometimes that's the first step to writing an injustice is I don't understand. So I want to open my eyes, but I don't know how to open my eyes. Have a conversation with somebody, Listen, I've had conversations with a few of my black friends and I'm just like, oh my goodness, man. I, didn't, I had no idea that this is something that you had gone through. I, there was a buddy of mine, he lives right here in Plum Creek. And he told me a story about uh, he's black, his, his wife is white and they were dating in college and her best friend in college basically said, well, you shouldn't date him. And you know, she was like, well, why? And the only reason that she gave was because he was black. That's the only reason that she gave him. So don't tell me that racism is not alive in America. I don't care whether it's systemic or not. I'm just saying you have to know, open your eyes enough to see that it's still there. That's the first step, open your eyes. The second, what can I do next? Open my heart. So when I'm in that conversation with this person, I'm saying, listen, I don't don't understand this. I'm never gonna understand this, bro, but like, I'm so sorry. I can't believe that this is happening to you, right? Tell me more, I wanna, how can I partner with you? And like, how can I help, man? And you'd be surprised at the things that people will say. So open your heart to their pain and mourn with them. I know we're getting real here, guys. Are we okay? Are we good? Yes. We fine? Yes. All right. But pastor, what if I don't agree with them on the Black Lives Matter movement? Who cares? Who cares? Does this passage tell me to mourn with those who mourn and have the same political and ideological thoughts as me? No, it does not. It does not say that. Sit there and mourn with them. Theodore Roosevelt famously said, nobody cares about what you know until they know how much you what? Care. Love should always be our first response as Christ followers. If you don't agree on a topic or a policy or a movement, at the end of the day, does it really matter? Because if you come at people with facts first, they don't, you have completely lost them. And now you have no room to speak into their life and you're cutting them off to have room to speak into your life. So let love be your first response. The two things that Jesus said to do was love God and love your neighbor. Jesus literally says it in this this passage. This man, this teacher of the law says it. 
He says, uh, what is written in the law? How do you read it? How do you obtain eternal life? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And what does Jesus say there? You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. That's all he says. Do this and you will live. So make sure that love is always your first response in any situation. And then if you want to debate about stuff later, who cares, man? Just let love be your first response. The next thing, we've opened up our eyes. Now we've learned to open up our hearts, right? To mourn with those who mourn. Let's go on in this story now. Verse 35, the next day, he took out two denarii, which is their money, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, uh, C.S. Lewis, he had a stepson, and, and his stepson tells this story, and I think it's really, really interesting. Uh, so I'm going to read it for you real fast. One day, Lewis and a friend were walking down the road and came upon a street person who reached out to them for help. While his friend kept walking, Lewis stopped and proceeded to empty his wallet. When they resumed their journey, his friend asked, what are you doing giving him all your money like that? Don't you know he's going to squander all of that on beer and ale? Lewis paused and replied, well, that's all I was going to do with it. <laughs> that's pretty good, right? I like that. <laughs> the third point today is open your hands. Open your hands. Helping him off the road, dragging this man off the road, putting him on his own donkey, taking him to the inn, and taking good care of him would have been enough, right? Actually, it was more than enough. It was more than the priest and the Levite and the worship leader did, right? And this is a man that he knows probably hates him. He's already done more than enough in most people's eyes. But then on top of that, he gave his hard-earned money to this innkeeper to help this stranger that he had never met before. You know that Jesus commands us to give to the poor and to the needy. In James, it talks about what is true religion. It says true religion is this, to take care of the orphans and the widows in their time of need, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. To take care of the orphans, the widows, the less fortunate, the disadvantaged, Jesus commands us. It's not a, an option if we're supposed to do that. It's actually a command. So when you give your finances to help people that are in need in your personal life, in your circle, when you see a need and you give, you're honoring God. That's worship to Jesus. Do unto me, you're, what you're doing unto the least of these, you're doing to me, right? That's what Jesus said. So you're honoring God in that. When you give to your local church, if you call Radical Church your home and you give to this church, I want you to remember that we give away 10% of our income to help other churches be planted, to help other people find Jesus and to support our local community. That's what 10% of our income goes to. So when you give to us, you are worshiping Jesus. You're not giving to Radical Church, you're giving straight to God through Radical Church, amen? That's your worship to him. We're supporting our community. And I love what we were able to do before we even launched we had um, two different things that we were able to do. The first one, we were able to, to give uh, Summer Moon coffee to, uh, Summer Moon, I have some friends there. I knew that they were struggling a little bit. And so we were able to give some Summer Moon coffee to all of the night shift um, nurses and doctors that worked at the hospital. And it was right in the middle, like right when coronavirus had just hit and it was really, really bad and everybody's freaking out. And these night shift nurses and doctors, you know, they were working round the clock, man. They hadn't had time to pull up some people, you know, from the minor leagues yet, you know what I'm talking about? And so uh, they were really struggling. We were able to give them some coffee. And that's a little thing there. But also then we went to Texas Pie Company, 
We knew that they were having a hard time, right? And it's difficult being a small business right now in the middle of this. And so we bought about 200 meals from Texas Pie Company. And then we worked with Hayes Hope to Go, which is an incredible organization, nonprofit that works with Hayes CISD. And they had about 80 to 100 families that they've already vetted, that they know are in need, okay? And, and we didn't know who those families were, but they did. And so we chose to partner with them and we gave away the food from the small business to support the small business to the families that were in need so that they could have a hot and fresh meal that night. And I love that we were able to do that. Why? Because that is opening our hands and being the hands and feet of Jesus. It's not about, oh, look at us and what we did and oh, how awesome we are. No, 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 that's all of us collectively working together to help our community be better than it is and when we see something that's wrong, like, like homelessness, when we see something that's wrong, like poverty, we want to do the best we can to fix it. Why? Not because we want to be good people and look good, but because Jesus commands us to do that. We need to open up our hands to help those that are in need. So the last part of this story, verse 36, it says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? An expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Jesus didn't say go and think about it. He said, go and do likewise. Go and be like the good Samaritan. That although this man might hate you and after you take really good care of him and, and pay this money and, and bandage him up and send him on his way, he might still three days later go and talk about you and hate on you. It doesn't matter. Go and do likewise. Love has to look like action. That's kind of the main thing I think we're getting at today is love looks like action. We can't turn a blind eye to injustices that we see in our world and in our community, but we have to speak up and help those that are in need and point people always back to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me today? I think the most striking part of this story of the Good Samaritan is that many times we look at that story from the perspective of the Good Samaritan and trying to be like, am I a Good Samaritan, right? Am I this person who would help somebody else that's in need or something like that, right? But I would encourage you to look at the story from the perspective of the man that was left beaten to die. You know why? Because we are all that man. We're all that man laying on the side of the road. We were all born into this world disadvantaged. Why? Because of sin. It says that ever since Adam and Eve sinned, we're all born into a world of sin. We all have struggles. We all have pain. We all have problems. And the Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God. We are all imperfect people. Amen? And aren't you glad that Jesus didn't walk past you? Aren't you glad that he didn't turn his face away from you? To refuse to see your sin and the things that you're going through, the struggles, maybe the pain, the injustices that you have faced in your life. And I wanna encourage you today that Jesus is looking at you right now. He has his eyes on you. He's not turning his face away, saying, oh, look at that sinner. Got to walk around him. Oh, look, they struggled with things in their lives. I, I don't want to worry about that. I don't want to see what's going on. I have too many heavenly things to think about. No. 
Jesus looked right at you. He looked right at me. He looked right at this world and said, you know what? They're worth dying for in their sin. Romans says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we still had problems and we will continue to still have problems, Jesus, his blood covers us every single day. It says that God's mercies are new every single morning. When you wake up, the breath that he gives you is new every single morning. And Jesus looked right at you and said, you're worthy enough for me to die for you, not because of anything that you've done, but because I am just gonna be selfless. I've opened my eyes and I see you. I see this need. I open my heart to you and I wanna have a relationship with you so that you can have eternal life. And then he opened up his hands and gave everything he had in his life for you and for me, amen? We're all the man on the side of the road. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you might be in here today and you might say, you know what? I've never given my life over to Jesus. I've never said yes to him. And, and maybe this is the first time you've ever been in church before. I don't know what, you're, what you got going on in your life. Or maybe you have followed Jesus before, but you've turned away. You haven't been following his commands. You haven't been uh, uh, praying or reading your Bible, having a relationship with God, right? And you say, you know what, today, I wanna get back on track. I believe that Jesus is seeing me today. I recognize that I am that man on the side of the road and Jesus has come down to this earth and he's picked me up. He's bandaged my wounds. He's taken me into his home and in his family and he's given everything that he had in the form of his life so that I could live. And if that's you today and you wanna say yes to Jesus for the first time or rededicate your life to him, I just want you to quickly raise your hand on the count of three and then you can put it right back down. But let me see it, one, two, three. Is that you in this place today? Amen, I see you, I see you, I see you. Come on, is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? I see you, I see you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, this is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Whether you're rededicating or, or this is the first time you've ever given your life to Jesus, I promise this is the best thing you'll ever do. And it says that in heaven, there's a party every single time someone says yes to Jesus. And so I believe there's a party going on right now. So we're gonna pray in just a second. It's not about the prayer. It's nothing special. It's just saying, you know what, God, I know that I'm that man and I know that you're the good Samaritan. That even though this world hated you, you still came and died for me. You see my pain, you see my struggles. And thank you, Jesus, that you've given me life. That's all we're gonna pray, it's easy. Maybe there's some of you in here today that you're saying, you know what? I have not done enough. I haven't opened my eyes to see the evil that's around me to see the sin, the prejudice, the racism, the, the issues that are in our world. I haven't seen the numbers on human trafficking. I haven't looked, why? Because I'm just kind of living my life. And you say, you know what, today I wanna do some more. I wanna open my eyes and open my heart, open my hands and do some more today. And maybe on the flip side of that, there might be some of you in here today that you're realizing that, oh my goodness, I have made justice and social justice an idol in my life. And I need to just, you know what? I need to start talking about Jesus more often. And these conversations I'm having, maybe I'm having arguments with people about this and I'm fighting against people. Listen, we're not fighting against people, but I, I, need, I understand now that I need to be pointing people back to Jesus, okay? And whether you're on one side of that or the other, I would like you to go ahead and raise your hand quickly 
and then put it right back down. If you're committing to say, you know what, I'm gonna point people to Jesus, I'm gonna open my eyes, I'm also gonna fight against evil. If that's you, raise your hand real quick. Put it back down. You say, I wanna do more, or you're saying, I'm, I'm making it an idol in my life, whatever that is for you. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Many, many, many hands quickly went up. I think all of us can agree that we've done at least one of those things at some point in our lives. So today I want us to pray together and we'll cap this day off. And this will apply to everybody. For those of you that are accepting Jesus for the first time or for those of you that are making a commitment to fight against evil, to open your eyes and also point people to Jesus. Repeat after me, Jesus, thank you for being the good Samaritan. You saw me on the side of the road, almost dead in my sin. You picked me up, you carried me, you bandaged me and you gave me life. I know that you died on the cross for my sins. So thank you, God. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to fight against evil, to open my eyes and see what's going on around me and to always point people back to you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give it up for Jesus today in the house? Have you enjoyed this series? Come on, it's been fun, right? It's been good.